and welcome in to this week's Freightonomics. And we have a special guest host this week, Tony Mulvey, of course, head of our research department here at FreightWaves, is going to fill in for Anthony Smith, who we haven't canceled out completely yet. <laughs> no, he, he, you know, he gets to do the fun stuff. He gets to be in New Orleans. Oh, he goes to New Orleans, gives some talk, but he didn't even like food. So I don't even know why he would go down there if you don't like food. Uh, Zach Strickland, head of freight market intelligence here at FreightWaves. And we are really, I think we've got, again, too much content to talk about this yeah. week. I mean, we're the consistent theme of, the, I guess, the economy, the freight market, goods economy, et cetera, is economically speaking, are we at a bottom yet? Yeah. And there's still a lot of data that says we are not quite there. Uh, a few conflicting signals. This is just an ongoing debate, but we're going to tackle that and more uh on this week's show. Yeah, but as you start every episode, <laughs> right? Looking at the freight market in two, Zach, are you ready to go? I mean, if y'all are ready, let's get it on. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's give everybody the, the data to start their way. So kind of send, Tammy. All right. In three, two, one. All right. First up here, we have the OTVI. If you haven't been paying attention, this is the chart that I'm going to lead with for the foreseeable future because demand is the most important thing to watch here in the next uh, few months, because this is where we're really going to see if the market bottoms or not. Once this starts ticking back higher, or we see some seasonality return in March, like I talked about, that's going to be the sign that we actually might have already hit a bottom. Right now, though, OTVI, you can see we had a little bit of an uptick uh, at the end of January and early February, it's starting to go back down again. So I'm not quite there yet. I'm not going to call a bottom. We're still a few percentage points above 2019 there in the orange, or 2020, I should say, there in the orange, which is the last normalized year, uh, if you call it that. We're still not quite there yet. Not going to call a bottom, especially here in February. It's, it's a little soon. Let's go to the next one here. Speaking of demand, IOTI, Yachty. Tony and I talked about it this morning on Freight Waves Now. Uh, you can see this is another indicator of demand. This measures bookings coming from all over the world, container volumes coming from all over the world into the United States. This is taking a pretty big dive. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Chinese New Year, Lunar New Year, did occur, and that is influencing this index at the moment. But it's not changing the overall trend line, which is downward. And once we exit the Lunar New Year period, which is about two weeks, this is going to be a key index to watch to see if shippers are really that optimistic about rebuilding inventories. Let's go to the next chart. Uh, I OTRI versus NTI. So tender rejection rates versus spot rates. The least interesting chart that I have to talk about right now. Uh, they are both flatlining. Now, rates do look like they're trying to form a floor, but they're still not quite there yet. So still a little ways to go potentially on the spot market. Last but not least, the NTIL on our last chart here. We're all over the place. The white line, we still have room to fall. If we do get all the way back down to that orange line, things will be trouble yeah, for carriers. I, I, you are <laughs> not wrong there. I think if we get to that level, uh, it, it's going to be bleak. And it's already not a it's great, not great outlook, right? And it's not great. So there is room to fall. I think the one interesting chart, and like you said, we talked about it earlier this week, or earlier today, mm -hmm. IOTI. I mean, it is it looks like it's spiraling out of control when you factor in certain things. I know, obviously, we're going to talk a little more about that, but mm -hmm. I think that's the chart to, a chart to pay attention to because it is that upstream look at future demand here in the U.S. So. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead and pull it up, Tanner. The, uh, the, the way to, you know, this is my big upstream signal with the IOTI, uh, you know, 
projecting forward, this is a good indication of shippers' activity. Yep. Like, and we're going to talk about some earnings calls today, uh, where a lot of their customers are telling them, "Hey, we expect to rebuild inventory. We expect we're going to be back." This is the this is the chart right here that you need to look at to show when they're actually doing it. Yeah, because this leads. This is, they are doing this. They are creating this index. Yep. All these companies uh, are creating this index. They are placing orders for containers. So when this thing starts moving, that means they're actually doing it. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's what we're waiting on, right? Is to yeah. see that actually happen. And I mean, that's what's interesting when, as you said, we'll talk about earnings, but you hear management commentary across the board on the transportation side that, hey, we're going to see the back half strong. Well, I look at that and it's like, this is stuff that's going to be moving in the back half yeah, or, or middle six, of the year, right? Yeah, we're, we're talking probably, you know, typically a six to eight week lead time before yeah. it's actually moving. Uh, the inventory is supposed to be sold uh, in the space. So it's, it's a little early April to call. to May yeah. when that start really. This but, is our seasonal freight though for yeah. March and April that it's just not, not I mean, in April's kind of a soft month in general, but uh, yeah, it looks like inventory is still not quite right. And this is, this is a concerning chart. And like we mentioned with the spot rates there, we're, they're finding a floor, but I think they got a little bit further to go yeah. uh, in terms of freight market like activity. We're still not quite fully vetted in terms of carrier desperation. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> are we gonna see the, what, 40 cent drop that we saw or like in a month span in 2022, yeah. I don't think we're going to see it. No, not at that rate for sure. But I mean that we've looked. I looked at the NTI forecast yesterday with Tanner, and mm -hmm. like it definitely showed that there's room to fall within the next month. So yeah, we, we I mean, could we could. There's there's a lot of upstream signals, specifically from our maritime data, that suggest that we have not hit the bottom yet. But Spot rates are flooring right now, yeah. and that may just be some a little bit of carrier discipline showing up. Yep. Uh, we know that they're not having great utilization comparative to last year, so uh, we'll see. Time will tell. Uh, so moving forward, we talked a lot about the maritime side. Let's move into newsonomics and discuss some of the top and most relevant stories. And of course, the theme of a lot of these stories is is our optimism for the fourth, third and fourth quarter this year warranted? Yeah. Are we seeing anything that gives us reason to expect that? And we talked about these customs so much mm -hmm. when we're talking about forward-looking because that's the stuff that really does tell you the supply chain and ops people that are ordering the goods, they're the ones placing these orders. Yep. Uh, if they feel good about their marketing and their customers, which they're not always right, they've been pretty wrong yeah. for the last two years and they're and it's not their fault yeah <laughs> you know it's hard to predict these type of environments as i say we've seen i mean demand planning's become so difficult in at a shipper like especially around the consumer right i yeah. mean consumer behavior changed throughout the past two years significant and it's changing now right it's right. it's reverting back to what it was i mean we talked about it mm -hmm. off well, air i mean this shift in goods to services yeah like Absolutely. We're still a services-led economy, typically. 70%. Yeah, typically. we were 70% good <laughs> yeah, in the past two years, and now so we revert. Well, now we're shifting a, back. Yeah, so uh, it, it makes that demand planning that much more difficult on the supply extremely chain. Extremely difficult. Yeah. And the first article, uh, Greg Miller, of course, 
definitely anybody interested in this absolutely has to read his articles. Uh, January imports up versus December, but February is looking weak. And he states, February could be the worst month since May of 2020, according to Port Tracker estimates. So just just think about what that statement is. Yeah. May of 2020 may not mean anything to people that don't re- like follow maritime. This was the bottom of the COVID shutdown right before everything got super hot again. This was when everybody shut down in April and May. The economy was dead, uh, flatlining. And we're seeing... They're, they're predicting February to be that bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's not a surprise when you look at our trade partners and like what's coming out of their Lunar I mean, New Year. Lunar of New Year has that impact and it, it's regional over in the Far East. Mm-hmm. But I mean, still, it, it doesn't seem like we talked about it a lot that things weren't, are they going back to 2019 levels? Well, this kind of shows that, hey, 2020 was so bad. Well, in May 2020 was yeah. so bad. We're going to hit that level. What was that level compared to 2019? I'm going to guess it wasn't that much. It was probably worse than 2019. It was. So <laughs> guess what? Like, if we're headed back that direction, yeah. we're getting back to 2019, which, uh, if you remember it, was not the greatest year for freight. It was terrible. It was an awful year for freight. And in relative to supply, I should say. Yeah. It's always in relation because yep. the demand in 2019 was greater than that of 1946. But at the same time, it's, you know, compared to the years prior, it's very soft because you're talking about capacity and how available is it? Does it feel good? Are there there any distractions or disruptions? Um, And that's really what we're talking about here. So I'm going to pull up the customs chart to put this into perspective. So the article uh, talks about January was actually up over December. Well, if you look at customs here, we had a pretty big dip in December. Yeah. If you look at that white line there, that's our current year. In the previous two years, uh, in blue and green, we're well below those, um, <laughs> you know. But the idea that we're better than December isn't, I don't think that's a positive. <laughs> no, especially, I mean, we've talked about it, I mean, on the transportation front. If you think about December, you lose a full week of productivity. Guess what? They lose it yeah. at the, at the port too, right? Too. Yeah. So it's, you're... You're comparing basically four full weeks or yeah. four and a half full weeks to three weeks. It should be better. Right. Right. So like. And we're, I mean, I guess, I guess there is a positive takeaway here in the way that if you're looking at that white line, it's not falling off a cliff like that yeah. bookings data is. Yeah. Like we just showed you. Now bookings, of course, the difference here is that bookings data, the IOTI is about six weeks upstream yep. of stuff that actually clears like, you know, or it's probably, I guess, two, two to three weeks if you're talking the West Coast. Yeah. Uh, but for stuff that actually gets cleared at our ports, this is what we're looking at right now is the stuff that has been cleared for transport yep. uh, at the ports. The IOTI is much further back on the or upstream in the supply chain. Yeah, with customs data, I mean, it's, it's kind of at the mercy of as they clear them, right? Yep. Some days are more productive than others and things like that. And you can see it in the index itself, right? The Just the volatility on a day-to-day basis. So yeah, it, it's, it's more of you got to peer or pull out the long-term trends there as opposed to looking at how things change on that day-to-day yeah. basis. And Port Tracker, of course, is predicting that yep. this index to fall pretty quickly. So yep. I want to pull up another chart here. Uh, this came out of the Wall Street Journal, uh, but it's Census Bureau data. Percentage of U.S. goods imports uh, reflective of the trade, kind of a reminiscent, this 
we're still not great with China, <laughs> yeah. where most of our goods come from. We're, and we're, we're seeing a transition. Uh, and it's really, you can start to see it. This is the percentage of goods imports coming from various uh, sectors around the world. Uh, China on the decline. That orange line there, China falling sharply. Other Asian countries, I, I don't know if this is a huge surprise to me, but really taking over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've <laughs> in terms heard. Of percentages. I mean, you look at, at manufacturers like Apple moving mm -hmm. their manufacturing out of China into other countries mm -hmm. in Asia. It's not a surprise to see that kind of shift. Mm -hmm. I think the interesting one is you've seen Canada kind of ramp up mm -hmm. there. Mexico's pretty stable, but we hear about nearshoring and reshoring. Like, it's just it hasn't it hasn't happened, yeah. or it's it might be in the act of happening, but it hasn't actually taken hold yet. And I think that's a trend to pay attention to as we move forward. Yeah, and then so. Obviously, everybody is very up on Mexico and Canada, and, it, and they are moving higher. Yep. Uh, but that's actually Canada. If you look at Canada, that's actually up off of being down. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they've been a higher percentage in the past. Uh, Mexico, obviously, on a trend line, much higher. And the, really the big takeaway for me is the divergence of Asia excluding China and China. Yep. I think that's your big takeaway is that they're, they're, they're actually transitioning to other Asian countries. Yep, but it, it still makes the Trans-Pacific trade as a whole is still vital to yeah, the U.S. Absolutely, right? it's, just, can't, it's Mexico, getting away from the single country. Yeah, Mexico does not have the, uh, I guess the the infrastructure there. It took China decades to get to where they are. Yep. Uh, so moving forward, let's go into Q4 Werner Q4 Beats 2023 guidance has some hurdles. Uh, although Derek Leathers, CEO, uh, does put in there that he has optimism for the future. Yeah. And this is based on his conversations with his customers. The back half setup is for us to get back to a world of inventory replenishment, peak freight movements, etc. Yeah. And that's what Derek Leathers says. And I, I don't know that he's wrong um, in that sentiment, but let's break down their earnings, see if there's any takeaways here, Tony. So for me, this looks like a fantastic yeah. Re return from a Q4 from a carry perspective, right? Yeah, I mean, especially in the environment we were in, you mean, you look at the consolidated operating ratio of 240 basis points worse. You have to factor in fuel prices are that much higher, labor expenses, equipment prices, all of that's higher. Mm -hmm. And you saw a 240 basis point decline, you're still right in the mid 80s, which is mm -hmm. pretty healthy. Yeah, you went from an 81 OR to an 84 OR. That's not great, but it's not terrible. Yeah, I mean, you're. Yeah. it would have been more concerning if that got up into the 90s, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, that's a big, and now I look at this and you see, again, truck count up, but they were active. They were active investors. They purchased uh, Baylor uh, and added 200 trucks to their balance sheet here. So I don't, you know, you know, I was critical of, uh, I forget who it was last week, but they they added, or Night Swift added some trucks, uh, but who am I to tell Night Swift how to operate? <laughs> they, yeah. they still had like an ADOR, uh, you know, but adding capacity um, at the, in this environment feels like a bad decision. Yeah. Uh, but these are big trucking companies. They have huge cash flow surpluses left over from the pandemic. Yep. So acquisition, like that's the right move here for uh, for Warner. It's yeah, it's different mm -hmm. than just going out and buying two hundred trucks. You're building like they have, mm -hmm. they may have access Absolutely. to customers and things like that. You're you're buying something. Yeah. You're not buying just capacity. Yeah, they're getting they're getting customers too. Yeah, they're not so, they're added they're growing responsibly. It's not like they bought trucks and then have to go and find freight for it. Yeah, right. You're mm -hmm. adding revenue yep. to them 
automatically without having to go and fill them and seat them at exactly. that point too. So. Exactly. That takes a lot of time. Uh, and this is not the environment that you want to go through that process. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Their logistics sector also showed a pretty decent uptick. Now, however, they did also make an acquisition there of Reed TMS, which boosted their revenue. If you adjust for that acquisition, their margin decline was actually 17%. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's, 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 there's a little bit of noise there. And again, I wouldn't be critical of any logistics sector or logistics company for seeing declines year over year. Yeah. You're talking about the most uh, bountiful brokerage environment yeah. possible in Q4 of 2021 to probably the worst. Yeah. In 22. Yeah. And again, these are logistics arms inside of an asset based carrier, right? Yeah. It's a different what they're trying to accomplish overall is very different than Extremely a different. pure play brokerage, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you need to keep assets moving. Yeah. And that's the name of the game. And that's why you look at carriers and their brokerage arm is a, it's just a, it's not necessarily a growth It's not arm. a pure brokerage yeah. move where you're just trying to expand margin, get a bunch of transactions in play. No, you're there to support the mothership yep. for the most part. And that's a totally different mindset uh, than going out there and just pulling rips. Yep. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So again, we expect that, especially on the asset base side in a Q4 like we just saw. Yeah. And right now, uh, it's, it's kind of this prime opportunity in mm-hmm. M&A activity, right? I yeah. mean, these they're flush with cash. They can go buy things. People are trying to make exits. Yeah. And it, honestly, optimism, like, you just had a pretty good beat. Yeah. Um, I would, I, I'll allow it. I'll yeah. allow it uh, in that situation. So LMI came out. And of course, we don't have Dr. Z on uh, this week. But at some point, I hope that we can get him on to discuss some of this. Because this, uh, this, this release probably is more interesting to me than just about any other release that we've, we've covered here. And... Uh, Todd Maiden, I believe, writes this. Transportation metrics show early signs of firming in January is the title of this article. Now, there's a few call-outs here, Tony. We were talking about this before the show. Um, Manufacturers are optimistic about the potential for future order sales, particularly as transportation prices come down. Doesn't really tell me that it's there. Yeah. (laughs) They're optimistic. I'm not, I don't, okay. You feel good about it. That's fine. Let's move down. Upstream firms also had higher expectations for future warehouse prices, <laughs> 12 points higher than retailers. That's not great. Yeah, I mean, it, that's their cost, <laughs> yeah, right? Their it, costs they're expecting expanding. their cost to go up. They're expecting warehouse prices to expand 77.1 uh, for future expectations, which is extreme expansion. So yeah. your inventory costs are now expanding faster than inflation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not a great sign for inventories. Um, Now, one of the things to take away, inventories are much lower now than they were in Q3 of last year, and it seems supply chains are coming back to life with a goal of replenishment. I don't know that I agree with that based on the data. Yeah, this is the one that... This is where I start to get a little bit like wonky. Inventory inventory levels report a 62.5, which is up 5.2 points sequentially off of uh, December. This is the most concerning value on this report to me because anything over 50 for the LMI is an expansion. So throughout probably most of the third quarter in the last month, we were seeing this fall from like mid 70s all the way down to the mid 50s. Yeah. It was 56.2 in December. This ticked up to 62.5. That means inventories are now growing. Yeah. 
they never stopped growing, they right? Never they stopped grew, growing. they may have grown at a slower pace, but they never entered that contraction period, right? Like that's the part. Yeah, they're, that reading's down 8.6 points year over year, but it's, they're still growing and they're growing at a faster pace than what they were. So to, that's where it's like, I can't say that they're lower than they were in Q3. They're still growing. Now, and if they were growing right. in Q3 and kept growing <laughs> the whole way through, well, did they actually get smaller? It doesn't look like it, yeah. according to this. So, the, yes, we know that they're in better position for sure, yes. but that's relative. Uh, the last point of this that kind of also, and I will say, I will temper this with the idea that may, this could be potentially a good sign that we are seeing replenishment of seasonal freight. Yep. We still have inventory that's backlogged and left over from the pandemic that they don't need. So maybe they are ordering some replenishment freight right now yep. for future demand that they they just don't have the goods for. Yep. That, that's the positive takeaway yep. for me. Um, however, warehousing capacity contracted for the 30th straight month, 46.4, the longest run of contraction that we've observed for any of our metrics during the 6.5 years. So inventories grew, warehouse space contracted. This is still, this, we have not bottomed. No. We are, we are not at the bottom yet. That's, that's what this is telling me. I don't take even though there could be some positive uh, interpretation in terms of what I just said, in terms of like, but they haven't gotten rid of all this old inventory that they're expecting to now cost them a lot more in the future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are they going to, I mean, that's going to be the key is like, how do they, how do they offload that inventory? Right? Like yeah. I get the replenishment part, but you mm -hmm. have to get rid of some of this unwanted inventory and I'll give retailers credit. Mm -hmm. They've tried to do that, but does the consumer want to buy this stuff that's kind of, out of date, obsolete, do they have the money to do it? Yeah, and it's going to cost more in the future to warehouse this stuff. Yeah. If they, if they miss their demand forecasts again, They're, their costs are going to be even worse. So this is not, this is not, this is not great for me. I don't, we're definitely not out of the woods. Uh, so I want to move forward. The federal, uh, the Fed funds um, situation, we just had a quarter, and they're signaling for more. And I want to pull up this chart of the Fed funds just to put this into perspective. We talk about it all the time. It's extremely important. To see historically uh, the past, I guess this is 30 years of the federal funds, and every line on there is the recession. <laughs> um, we haven't really seen the Fed raise interest rates this fast before. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and if you can see this trend line here, they raise it until they don't. <laughs> mm. They basically raise it until it's, there's a recession. And the rate of increase here is what's most concerning to me. And the fact that we're talking about the cost of inventory and inflation. This actually has a backdoor impact on inflation when you're yeah. talking about consumer debt. Yep. And now we're taking away consumers, we're, we're actually increasing the cost of the goods they've already bought. Yes. Without, yeah. and here's the caveat, without incentivizing saving. Yes. <laughs> That's the key, right? <laughs> I mean, we, I looked at it, what? Average credit card interest rate now is 20%. It's gone from 15 to 20, and that was from Q2 of last year to Q4, because that number's quarterly. But mm -hmm. I mean, those costs, if consumers are not paying off their card, mm -hmm. and you see that, because if you look at outstanding revolving credit, right, those are balances mm -hmm. that are staying on. It doesn't count for those people that pay off their card every month. Right. It continues to get more expensive. It's like you said, it's the goods they've already bought are getting more expensive than they already were, right? Yes. 
we, we were, they were buying goods in this inflationary period. Now they're getting hit on the other side yep. and it's just a squeeze and it doesn't give them the opportunity to continue to spend more money because and we haven't trained them to save. Yeah. They were, we haven't trained them to invest. We haven't trained them to save. We've trained them to spend, uh, economically speaking. And so they've learned some bad habits and they're not fully aware of what is occurring on the back end. Yep. And I mean, you look at the savings rate, it's what, 2.1%, 2.2%. It's like near historic lows. And yeah. we always, we are always a little prisoner of the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. and, that, and this is why I'm concerned about that Fed rate going vertical like that, is that it's too dependent on right now. Yeah. We dismissed inflation as an economy for two years when we had all the math said it's going to happen. Um, and we're still kind of holding on to it. Yeah. and <laughs> Because the, jobs are good. It's, <laughs> yes. And I, this is uh, the jobs thing, I think is an interesting one because mm-hmm. look at where layoffs are happening. They're in tech. They're getting severance packages. They're not having to go on unemployment right away. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing the labor market because, I mean, they're really not unemployed. Yeah, we're, we're, we're by no means done with this downward movement. Uh, I'm, I know that there's reasons to be optimistic and certainly don't want to be doom and gloom, but I'm not calling it yet. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not either. <laughs> All right, well, that has been this week's episode of Freightonomic. Hopefully it was informative for you. Anthony Smith probably will be back next week unless we lose him in New Orleans. But in the meantime, have a great week.